The number one reason why there's only 10 million Americans that meditate and 290 million don't is because of time. So whether you're a mother you know, with three kids or whether you're a busy executive, there are moments when you can start to create an oasis of calm in the middle of the real world. Coming up, Ariane talks with meditation expert Mark Thornton, next on Change Nation from First30Days.com. Welcome, I'm Ariane, and today we're speaking about the first 30 days of living more spiritually. I'm joined by Mark Thornton. He is the author of the wonderful book, Meditation in a New York Minute, Super Calm for the Super Busy. He's also on the teaching faculty at Harvard. He is the former chief operating officer of a major investment bank, and he's also created the world's first management consultancy that actually teaches meditation. He spent over 25 years learning different meditation traditions all over the world, and he now brings us his insights and his wisdom. Mark, I'm very excited to have you with us today on the show. I'm delighted to be here. Mark, you certainly have gone through some interesting life changes from being a banker to researching meditation to an author to now teaching meditation. And I'd love it just to start off by Telling us a little bit about your story and how did this change come about for you? Sure. So I was um, 26 years old and an investment banker in London. And um, I was caught in the trap that I loved my job. But I was so stressed that I was grinding my teeth at night. and I had to wear a, a mouth guard and I was uh, losing my hair. So I was going to be bald and toothless by 30 and definitely wanted to, um, to find a way in which spirituality could be part of my everyday life. So my particular journey was to India. I met a master who taught me a range of different techniques to do very much in the fabric of your everyday life. And for me, that was a huge opening because it meant that you know, I no longer had to spend 20 minutes on a mat or lighting candles or incense or getting into the lotus position. It could be like five seconds by the water cooler, five minutes on the commute to work, two minutes at lunch, and just shifting the orientation of my day away from manic mind to pause, flow, calm, center, and ease. Mark, what would you say your search for wanting to be more spiritual? Do you feel you have sort of a, an easy definition for people of what it means to feel more spiritual or live more spiritually? For me, it's really um, a return to the center, um, the center of who you are as a person. And the analogy I use is simply a circle, and every circle has a, has a circumference and a center. And spirituality is a way to very immediately and directly access your center. And the language I use is returning to the heart, meaning in the sense of returning to the center of who you are, like in the phrase, the, the heart of the matter, it's like returning to your essence, to your source, to your core. So and there are many, many different paths that take you to your center. And I'm guessing meditation is one of the most important ways to get back to your center, to live more spiritually. I know a lot has been said and spoken about meditation, and I feel... People, especially people listening, might go, I've heard so much about it, I just don't know how to get started. What would you say to them? 
Yeah, sure. So this is a great question because, you know, meditation used to be something that was, you know, weird and foreign and alien and guru-based and caftans and orange robes and open-toned sandals. And just in the last uh, four decades, we have a ton of scientific research around this stuff. A lot of the great academic institutions like Harvard and NCAD and Columbia are including this in their studies. Um, So there's been a huge shift. So, yeah, meditation is a really important part of returning to the heart. And um, that's my particular gift is sharing the gift of meditation with people. So you went ahead and wrote a book. Uh, meditation in a New York Minute, Super Calm for the Super Busy. How do people start? What does what does the first day look like? Someone is now open to the idea of learning how to meditate. How would you recommend they start? Mm. So the first thing is to find a practice. Find some specific practice that you're willing to try on for a couple of weeks. So the guidelines here is to find a practice and practice it for a period of two weeks and see what difference it makes. And if it makes no difference, then drop that practice and move on to another one. So probably the third most frequently asked question in my seminars is, well, what technique should I do? So listen, there are many, many books about meditation practice. Uh, There are many, many teachers of meditation practice. But my guideline is really to just um, throw yourself into the soup of this, read this stuff, go and see a teacher, go and see a seminar, listen to um, tapes and CDs, and simply find where your heart has a natural pull. There's a lot of stuff out there, but your own heart has its own wisdom and its own very clear knowing about what's really useful for you. Just to start to gently follow those impulses, follow those intuitive hits as to, hmm, this, this feels right to me, and then try that for two weeks. Mark, one of the things I loved about your book was you share a lot of very non-obvious ways of meditating. And I know when you introduced your story, you said you can meditate on the subway, you can meditate by the water cooler, which is really not what a lot of people have been told. Can you share with us a few examples of how to incorporate it already in your day? Yeah, sure. So one of the most powerful techniques I used on the trading room floor at J.P. Morgan where I used to work was um, a practice from the path of the 13,000 steps. And the 13,000 steps are basically the number of breaths that you take every day. And this sounds so simple, but it's so powerful. And we now have a whole heap of research around this stuff. So in various traditions, your breath is one of the key drivers of what's happening in your physiology and your mind. And there's a saying in Sanskrit that as is your breathing, so is your thinking. As is your breath, so is your thought. So the technique I used to use very frequently at my work was to simply slow the in-breath down to a count of three, then pause for one, then exhale to the count of three, then pause for one, and then just repeat that. And many people think, well, it's just so simple, it's just so easy, why are we all doing it? And... The reason is that we simply have to develop the habit. So when you're going to the water cooler, you can do this before you pick up the phone. I always do this before I make a presentation, when I stand in boardrooms. And it's great to do when you're sitting on the subway in Manhattan. You can just take a few minutes to do this. Now, the bottom line is that if you do it for a minute, then you get a minute's benefit. 
So the, we call it the path of the 13,000 steps because there's 13,000 opportunities every day when we can start to shift our breathing to one of practice and returning to the heart. It's incredible. Mark, one of the things I know that I've been guilty of saying and I know friends of mine have said around me when I've brought up this subject, it's usually one of two things. One is I've tried and I just can't do it. And two is I have no time to meditate. So what do we say to these these people, including myself, that has often used those as an excuse? Sure. So the number one reason why there's only 10 million Americans that meditate and 290 million don't is because of time. No one has the time. So my particular passion is to say that, you know, I used to be the COO of an investment bank and I was able to meditate for um, up to an hour a day, every day. Now, does that sound like a lot? It sure does. Yeah, so the key is that hours to be done cumulatively, not consecutively. And what I do with my um, executive coaching and teaching in businesses is I take leaders, leaders' calendars and I simply go through and I show them all the different opportunities that they have for practice. So, for example, everyone that I know commutes to work and comes back from work. Most people have a breakfast, and a lunch, and a dinner. Most people walk down the streets. Most people meet new people. Most people shower in the morning. Most Certainly all of my friends shower in the morning. I'm happy just to confirm that right now. Yes. So, so all of these are opportunities when you have the right techniques. can be opportunities for really very deep, very beautiful, a very profound connection to your heart. And I, I'm very passionate about this because my experiences was doing these simple techniques, I've had experiences that were as profound as sitting in a lotus position on a retreat for weeks. Like it was as profound as that. So in fact, some of the experiences I had were so extreme um, that I actually had to read like different sacred texts to find out what was happening to me. And all I was doing was changing the shape of my breathing at the water cooler, finding a moment of pause on the subway. So these, are, these techniques are very, very powerful. And so whether you're a mother you know, with three kids or whether you're a busy executive, there are moments when you can start to create an oasis of calm in the middle of your real world, your real life. One of the things I loved in your book, I know that you refer to thieves that get in the way of people either meditating or creating the time to meditate. What are some of the other thieves that people should at least be aware of might show up as they start on the first 30 days of meditating? Yeah, sure. So listen, I don't think I've spoken to anybody about meditation practice that hasn't said something along the lines of, you can't be serious. I can't even sit down and close my eyes for a minute, let alone for five minutes or 10 minutes. And I'm just curious as to why that is. And I say, oh, I have so many thoughts. And so the answer to this is, of course you have thoughts. There's a huge misunderstanding. Meditation is not, the goal of meditation is not to surgically remove your brain. So you have no thoughts. I'm a meditation master and I have thoughts. As long as you're in a body, you will have thoughts. So the goal of, of, of practice is to simply take your focus and allow it to be centered on something else, your breath, the space in the center of your chest, the crown chakra, a candle, an object, a deity, a mantra, any of those things. And the mind is just allowed to do what it will always do. 
and your goal is simply to gently return your focus back to your mantra, back to your practice, back to your, back to your center over and over again. So really the analogy that I used when I was teaching at Harvard was it's like a, your mind is like a cell phone. And the fact is that most of us are always answering our mind. And in meditation we just get to turn, put the cell phone down and allow it to keep ringing. We just don't answer it. Because what we're doing is we're returning our, our focus away from a habitual reaching for the mind, reaching for the cell phone, and returning it to a place which has greater depth and beauty, such as your mantra. Mark, what are some of the advantages that someone can expect to feel as they embark on this? I'm sure some people are listening to this going, this is great, it's certainly making it easier for me, but why should I care, why should I bother, what's on, what's on the other side of this, how am I going to feel, what does it mean to live more spiritually? Mm. So some of, the, some of the feelings that people experience, and this is certainly my experience and the experience of others, is qualities such as openness, calm, poise, balance, joy, love, openness, clarity, perspective, bliss. All these feelings are an intimate part of spirituality. That's why we do it. That's why I do it. So um, people can expect to have any number of those qualities start to manifest more strongly in their life. And it's very much a, very much a function of um, how much you put into it. It's a function of time. Again, if you do a minute of meditation, you, you get a minute's benefit. So it's definitely true the longer you do it, the more the benefits accrue. Mark, have you seen any research or heard of advantages that are as direct as when you meditate you then sleep better when you meditate you make love better when you meditate you lose weight when you meditate your <laughs> relationships improve like is it as direct as that or could it could it certainly have a positive influence oh absolutely so in my seminars i, I talk largely about the science that we have and we now have more than 1,200 scientific studies from Harvard, Princeton, Yale, MIT, tons of different places. And in my research, of the research, there's more than 54 separate benefits that have been proven by scientific research. I'll name just one of them. For anxiety, there are more, there are more than 100 studies which unanimously show that meditation reduces anxiety. And in America, anxiety is a $4 billion a year business for drug companies. So um, that's just anxiety. In terms of sleep, it's the same with sleep. You know, meditation is a way to start to turn the mind off, turn the mind down, to become slower and quieter. It's easier to sleep. In terms of weight loss, I would love to be able to say that meditation is going to lose your weight. But I don't know of any research like that. You know, Oprah had a doctor on, on last week who was talking about um, signs of aging and the number one cause of aging is stress. And meditation is profound for stress. Just profound. And very, very instantaneously. Like in the seminars I run, I get executives to reduce their stress by 30, 40, 60, 70, 80% in like five minutes. Mark, talking about executives, I know that one of the things that you've become known for is teaching businesses and teaching executives 
how to meditate and how to incorporate meditation. Probably something that we wouldn't have thought would have existed, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago. How is it that businesses are receiving meditation? Why is it that they are now open to it? There is a lot of evidence to suggest that the current model is broken and not working. So, for example, the New York Times in an article said that job stress costs the American economy a trillion dollars every year in health, absenteeism, and lost productivity. Now, a trillion dollars a year is roughly what the Kennedy School of Government estimates is the economic cost of the war in Iraq, and it happens annually. You know, the National Institute of Occupational Safety and Health said that the health costs alone of stress, job stress, which means people who actually take time off work and go to a GP or are actually hospitalized, is $200 billion. And that's roughly the economic cost of Hurricane Katrina, except it happens every year. The United Nations has a report out that says that job stress is the disease for the new millennium. The disease. So, I mean, I haven't met a banker yet who doesn't admit that in some way they're overstressed, overworked, overbooked and overscheduled and doesn't just want a break, just doesn't want things to be easier, smoother. They want to be able to get the results, but they want the process to be enjoyable, easy and effortless. And no matter, it's not so much about meditation, but it's really about recognizing where people are stuck. And every business that I know has a problem with um, absenteeism, has a problem with people being burned out, has a problem with people being really overworked. And that can be as simple as people just not enjoying turning up to work anymore. So meditation, and particularly the stuff that I'm teaching, is that it's, it's not taking time away from your schedule, but it's something you can do very much in the middle of your, of your schedule. So Mark, for any business leaders, CEOs, managers who are listening to this, who would like to introduce some element of spirit, spirituality, meditation into their office environment, how would you recommend they get started? Uh, Ariane, that's a hard one to answer because you really need to have a set of techniques and a framework to present to people. So in in the stuff that I do, I never go in and say, okay, guys, we're all going to be spiritual. My approach is very much, let's look at ways in which the process of work can become more effortless and easy for you. And I do very specific um, trainings with biofeedback technology where the breath technique we mentioned before, where people can see real time um, using heart rate variability exactly what's happening to the employee's physiology whilst they're doing these techniques. But I'm, I'm, I'm hesitating because there are very few people who just do this. I think what I'm yeah. hearing as well, which is important to stress for people, is that there isn't sort of a, a canned approach. I think a lot of people might have tried in very simplistic ways without being surrounded by the right teachers, the right techniques, the right ideas. And yeah. to really encourage people to surround themselves with the right, that right support network around them. Yeah, absolutely. So, Arian, it's important that on any spiritual journey, there seem to be a number of phases. And the first stage is the call. People hear some call. There's a call to act in a new way. And the next step is very much the journey. So there are different 
techniques and different advice for different those different stages. And in the call stage, it's very important to to start to follow those promptings of the heart that are calling you in a new way or calling you deeper in some way. Um, and on the journey, it's very important that you um, you know allow the new to be there. You uh, you drop the old, and also that you don't share the new with the old. So it's very important just to be kind of gentle as you start on this path. It's very important to be gentle with yourself. And the analogy is very much like a you know a seed taking root. It needs to be nurtured in a very delicate and tender way. You're leading right next to into a question that I wanted to ask you, which is: Is living spiritually or living more spiritually or feeling called on this path? Is it more of an internal journey or is it more of a balance between internally what's going on but also externally things that you feel like doing in the world, actions that you want to take? Is it a balance between the two? Is it more of one or the other? Um, There's definitely a sequence to it. So it starts with something internally and that often leads to action. So, for example, people feel some sense of something's missing. They remember a, a quote, they remember a book, they remember they start to read new things, um, they start to explore with new teachers. Um, those teachers and those books are all just an outward manifestation of the the inner call. So it definitely involves both, both the inner and the outer. My last question on this, Mark, is for people who who have a call who, if they're still listening, they certainly are inspired and encouraged by this sort of path. How would you encourage them to get started? What does the first few days, weeks, months look like, bearing in mind that this is very much a a life journey more than just the first couple of weeks? A couple of things are very important in the first uh, few days. One is it's very important to find a teacher. Um, Secondly, it's very important to find some community of like-minded souls and I mentioned both of those things because they are by far and away the most powerful way in which um, in my experience that I've learned is by um, being with a teacher being in a community um, the next thing to do is to really third thing is to really start to follow those small promptings those small in- intuitions um, the next thing is to, is to take a break from the old take a break from the old habits Take a break maybe from some of your traditional habitual patterns. Maybe it might be worth taking a break for a couple of weeks from your friends. Maybe it might be good like simply going to different places, restaurants and things rather than your normal place. Spirituality is like you're trying on a new coat. The important thing is to you have to take off your old coat to put on the new, but you don't have to take off all of your clothes, for example. So it's really important that people avoid drastic things like I'm going to leave my job, I'm going to leave my partner, I'm going to live in an ashram, start, start again. So it's important to allow space for the, for the new stuff, but it's also important to be really clear as to um, not to make any drastic changes in the first, uh, in the first 30 days. And I, I shared it from personal experience because a number of times I've phoned one of my teachers when I was a banker, I said, oh, I'm going to give it all up but I'm just going to live on an island and just meditate all the time and they would always just laugh and say you know the challenges that you're facing exactly where you are now they will be there on the island and another one of my teachers Papaji you know left his job and his wife and he was going to walk up into the Himalayas and 
and spend his life there meditating. And he stopped halfway because he realized anything he would find in the Himalayas was right there in the center of his heart. And there was no need to physically move anything. So I just wanted to share that because um, many people think that, um, that I left banking very quickly. It was a long, long, long process before that was a very ripe and full decision for me. Mark, I know I said it was the last question, but you've prompted one for me and I'm sure for other people listening. Where do people find the teacher and the community? Do they go online? Are there centers? Do they go to your website? A great new tool that's come up is um, a social networking site called Meetup, meetup.com. And that's fantastic. It's, they have, it's people who are simply getting together around an issue. And it could be basket weaving. It could be a love of cats or a love of dogs. And, but people also stuff with spirituality. So, for example, in New York where I live, there are many, many meditation groups and many Zen groups and many few, few tantra groups, lots of mantra groups. So there's lots of stuff out there. And normally they're all very, they're uh, free too. The second thing is to grab one of the big catalogs from some of the big retreat centers, such as uh, Kripala in Massachusetts or Omega in Rhinebeck, upstate New York. And these places have, um, you know, 600, 700 workshops every year. And simply flip through that and just see what takes your fancy and explore that. And the third way is to, um, is to just use the internet. So if you're feeling that, you know, you've read something from a Zen master that you think Zen would be good, then... Just use Google Zen and see what's on in, on in your area. That's wonderful. Mark, one of the things that we do here at the first 30 days is we ask all our experts that we have the privilege of interviewing three signature questions. And so here they are for you. <laughs> Number one, what is the belief that you personally go to during times of change? My belief I go to is that the answer lies within Here's number two. Fill in this sentence. The best thing about change is... The best thing about change is new horizons, new vistas, new opportunities, new experiences, new depths, new enlightenment. Oh, wonderful. And here's the last one. What is the best change that you've ever made? Answering the call. Lovely. Mark, it's been a true pleasure. I know that you've helped numerous people listening to this for people who are interested your book is called meditation in a new york minute your website is markthornton.us and for other interviews other experts we encourage everyone to come visit us at first30days.com mark it was a true pleasure thank you very much thanks Ariane. lots of love thank you bye-bye Thanks for listening to Change Nation from First30Days.com. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes in the Society and Culture section under Philosophy. Make sure you take time to leave us feedback about the show. We'd love to know what you think. Change Nation is a production of First30Days.com. Copyright 2008. All rights reserved. <laughs>